This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host, Mo Stewart, and I'm joined by David Lynch and Ben Brockchak. And we are going to be looking at some of the outer reaches of the Liverpool squad because, well, we're well into transfer silly season, as I'm sure you're all aware. And any thoughts of a quiet summer for Liverpool have been thrown right up in the air by Sadio Mane. Although, when I say silly season, the idea of getting Sadio Mane for £25 is almost ridiculous season. But I digress. Um, Liverpool are going to need a quality replacement, whoever that is. And a lot of the rumours we're seeing around players such as Rafinha and Darwin Nunes have often involved throwing a few other players into the mix as make-weights. That's always one thing that you see at the end of the season. Players become uh, transfer numbers and no longer become footballers, David. Um, It's a strange phenomenon, but it does seem to happen every year. But... We always assume that we can get the best valuation for anyone we sell, but it's never quite that simple, is it? No, because, uh, I mean, you know, anyone you are willing to sell, I suppose, um, you know, you you have to find a club that is willing to spend that on them. I I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you're saying you don't want them or you don't need them anymore and you're happy to move them on, then, you know, any club who's interested, who thinks they can do a job for them will sense that and they'll think, well, you know, if they, they are willing to get rid, then we can drive the price down a little bit. And that's, you know, this weird dance that clubs have got to get involved in and, and negotiating positions they've got to set out and sometimes sort of telling fibs to journalists as well to, to sort of say, well, we desperately want to keep this player that they don't necessarily want to and and things like that. So it's, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a weird game and, and yeah, you, you can never sort of predict a lot of it, which makes things difficult, but it's, um, but yeah, it's, it's always fascinating to follow and um, yeah, there'll be, there'll be some surprise deals to come, I'm sure, going both ways. It's ever-shifting sands at this time of the season. And for those of us who are, who have to proclaim that's the nature of our job, we can often find ourselves looking stupid with something that looks very, very certain at one point, and the complete opposite happens. And we're going to touch on that at some point further on in the show as we dive into the names that we will be discussing. But, Ben, what I would say about Liverpool in the recent past is that the club have been very good at getting a high transfer value from these fringe players. But there's no necessary guarantee that that's going to continue to be the case. Uh, it's almost hard sometimes to try and gauge what is a true value and when someone's value is going to continue to go up and when it might start to go down. Yeah, it's it's difficult to predict always. But like you said, the the, the Sadio Mane one, uh, you only have to compare how much Bayern are looking to get for Lewandowski and for Gnabry. And if they're valuing them at much higher prices than Sadio Mane, then uh, it does become a bit strange um, in that regard. But I think with Liverpool, they're always trying to squeeze out as much as possible for any outgoing player. And uh, I think that will be the case this summer as well. And if the right move doesn't come about, then there's always options for a loan deal or something like that uh, to maybe hopefully in a year's time increase the price tag of a certain player. No, that's a very fair point as well. It's um, loan deals can kind of almost kick the idea down the year, down the road for a year. But finding that true value is a really difficult question because we're not only just thinking about the value to whoever well, we wants them to buy, 
this type player, but the value of the player to the club as well. And as we've seen with some of the fringe guys we're going to talk about, they have been valuable performers for Liverpool Football Club over the last 18 months to two years. So you have to really remember that. And when you're into the meat of the season, is this money that we're going to get for them going to be more important than having them to call on at times? So over the course of the show, the kind of people we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Nat Phillips, we're going to talk about Nico Williams, we're going to talk about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, and we're going to talk about Takumi Minamino with a little bit of a Milner sliver in there as well somewhere. But David, let's start with Nat and Nico. And I've kind of clubbed them together because they were both on loan in the championship in the second half of last season. Both helped get their teams promoted. And the figures quoted around the, for the two of them seem to be the same around about the £15 million mark. Does that seem like a reasonable thing for two clubs coming into the Premier League? If we look at the kind of spending history of Fulham and Bournemouth in particular, do these feel like um, reasonable numbers to expect them to be going for? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair. I think, you know, considering some of the fees that Liverpool have got in the past, certainly in the pre-COVID market, um, you know, we're, we're, we're vastly inflated at times. They're very well um, sometimes to get rid of those fringe players or younger fringe players like that. But I think, you know, you're looking at Nat Phillips' example. So, 50 million, you know, this isn't just for someone who's impressed on loan in the championship. This is for a player who is, you know, doing Cruyff turns in the Champions League only last season was, you know, absolutely instrumental in, in securing Liverpool top four. Uh, you know, so that that sort of says where his level is. Okay, maybe he's not a consistent top four player. yet. He had certain players around him who made that easier and and things like that. But, you know, he's certainly a, a Premier League centre-half and, and I think he's shown that on a number of occasions now. So to say you could have a consistent performer who maybe for a mid-table Premier League team for £15 million, who's still quite young as well and has got some some room to develop and he's English, so he fulfills that quota on your, on your uh, squad. I just think it's an absolute no-brainer. I couldn't believe there was such little interest in him last summer, to be honest. I, I was surprised by that. Maybe that was just a you know, a sort of result of, of the, the COVID restrictions in terms of still feeling that on the finances and, and maybe teams, you know, still felt it was a little bit of a gamble. But if he struggles against secure a move this summer, I, I'd, I'd be really surprised. And, and and as for Nico, a sort of similar mindset, really. I think, you know, I think the players wanted to go for a while. He, he wants to play regular first-team football. And, and, you know, I think a, a sort of maybe more to the 10 million side of things would probably do it on that front. Um, but again, another young player who has shown he can play at high level, you know, really liked by Jurgen Klopp. OK, maybe he's not a Champions League player at this moment in his career, but certainly, again, another Premier League player. So I think those are pretty fair valuations. And I, I'd be really, really surprised if Liverpool sort of struggled to generate interest around those because those two players, if you're a, a club from mid-table to, to relegation spots, you should 100% be all over those deals. They should be. And I think Nico's a really interesting case, Ben, because obviously he's got the World Cup to now showcase his talents. So if you're Liverpool, you're thinking, well, maybe January time, his stock might have risen a bit by a good showing at the World Cup. But also, if you're Nico, you are thinking, well, I want to make sure I'm sharp for this same World Cup. And there's an interesting kind of balance between players who aren't seen as good enough to make regular appearances for Liverpool and people seeming to forget how good they actually are. And when Nico went out on Fulham, there seemed to be lots of shock about, wow, this kid's amazing. And we're like, yeah, he is amazing. This is not Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at times, you know, when he was thrust into the limelight at Liverpool, uh, it was during the end of sort of last season or the season before now, because it's it's going to get a while to get used to saying that. But it 
it was around the time I think he he played one particularly unfortunate game against Fulham. But you have to remember the whole back four was changed for that game. So he's never really played in, in, in a strong Liverpool lineup, and I think that will have impacted his performances as well at Liverpool. But when he did play in the League Cup. I think he was still impressive at times and he's, he got a few assists. Uh, I think he got an assist in the Champions League for Curtis Jones against Ajax. Uh, mm. So he, he's done well for Liverpool as well. And I think people overlook that. Uh, and then obviously at Fulham, he's he's been brilliant since he's arrived there. And I think what I will say is with both Phillips and Williams, I think the key thing is that they have, they, they, they were performing for clubs who, did get promoted and um, normally um, promoted clubs will want to have a bit of consistency in the squad and they don't want to change around that much uh, in terms of incomings and outgoings. So uh, I think that will help Liverpool's case in terms of selling them because it seems like there's already someone there who's willing to take them, who who likes them, who play them regularly. And uh, I think that will help Liverpool a lot in selling these two players. No, that's a good point. And Liverpool do have a generally quite a good relationship with Fulham. Obviously, there's been a few deals in the last couple of years. With Bournemouth, as, as David said, we may have kind of fleeced them a few times in the past. So let's hope that they don't remember that too keenly. Um, I want to move on to midfield now. Um, when I originally um, conceived the idea for this show, I thought about we were going to be talking a bit about James Milner and about what we were going to do with him. But we know what's happened with him now. He signed a new one-year deal, Ben. And... The thing that I find really interesting about this is not necessarily the fact that it's been put out there that other teams are willing to give him more money and longer deal. It's the fact that he stayed because he has been convinced by Jurgen Klopp and whoever else needs to convince him that he will still be a major factor next season. Now, obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean to say that he's expecting to play 20 Premier League games, but there's the fact that we saw last season what being a major factor across all competitions can really mean and how you can still make a meaningful impact in that role. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think I wrote a few articles for Liverpool.com and if you look at the data and the numbers around Milner, especially the creative side of things, he's still up there with some of Liverpool's best performers, especially in the Premier League this season. So he's he, he's still a key player, I think, for Liverpool who can offer something different. And uh, Liverpool have said that they're not looking to sign a midfielder uh, this summer. Uh, their plan is to go for a midfielder in 2023. Obviously, with too many being available, there was some rumours that, that that plan might change, but it seems like he's going to Real Madrid now. And, and I think that may have... If there was was truth in those rumours, maybe that will that that was the reason for Milner delaying potentially his contract mm-hmm. decision to see what will happen there. But now that seems like that's dead in the water in terms of Liverpool. So uh, I'm sure that swayed Milner's decision. And uh, you know he's he, he's not just an important player on the pitch for Liverpool, but off it as well. I think he's an integral member of the dressing room, and his personality shines all the time when you see him interacting with, when you see the Liverpool team interacting in the dressing room with each other, he's always a big character. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, um, he will he will have a look at um, probably managing in the future. And uh, I think in terms of that, Liverpool is a good place to be because there is precedence for uh, Liverpool sort of promoting their own into managerial roles like with Steven Gerrard. 
I would very much so. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see maybe around some of the early rounds of the League Cup or something like that, or the FA Cup, whether or not he's uh, in the coaching squad as well as in the playing squad. Uh, I think he's still probably going to want to play somewhere else at the end of his contract in one year. But yeah, we can start planting that seed for sure. Now, the other thing about this, David, is that he's another English midfielder staying within in the group. And obviously, as Ben mentioned, there's lots of talk about bringing in another midfielder in the next summer, namely a certain Dortmund midfielder who's already said he's not moving until next summer will be quite a nice exchange. However, this will have a knock-on effect on the rest of the squad, particularly the other English midfielder currently with contract decision, Mr. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Now, we've with looking like Naby Keita's probably in the hot seat for uh, a new contract, does this kind of push Oxlade-Chamberlain one step further to the exit door? And if so, what level of clubs do you believe will be interested in him? Yeah, I think it's 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 pretty much guaranteed that he's he's going to push to leave now this summer. Um, I think you know you could see his frustration in the, the rare moments he did get on the pitch and, and didn't feel like he was maybe showing his best form. And I think that can happen to players when they don't you know don't play regularly. And it, it you know he's just ended up. It, it's been unfortunate he had that obviously that injury very early in his Liverpool career and when he was looking so bright and, and so impressive. And then since then, there's never really sort of felt like there's a, an obvious role for him in the team or he's, he's just not been able to get ahead of other midfielders. So it's been really difficult for him, but I think he's clearly in a position now where he wants to leave. And I think, you know, th- there should be some interest in him. You'd like to think so. I think his, his problems last season were anything to do with his injury record, which has been a bit of an issue in the past. He, he, he has been consistently fit. He's been just sat on the bench, which or, or sometimes not even making the bench. Incredibly frustrating for him. So... I think that you know there should be some level of interest in it. You know, there's talk about maybe you know a, a, a reunion with Southampton or something like that. Maybe that would be sort of you know something in in the sort of mid-table region would probably be you know so there'd be a few clubs around there would surely take an interest in him because the the talent is there and I think he just he's just one of those players who needs a consistent run of games and you know maybe maybe he isn't Champions League or, or title challenging quality at the moment, but he's. There is a, a goal-scoring midfielder in there. He's, he's a massive threat, I think, if you if can get him on the pitch consistently. And some teams will be able to do that. So I think there should be interest in the Premier League in him. Um, and, and, you know, Liverpool should think that, they, you know, even with a year left, if he can generate a decent-ish fee for him because of his, his goal-scoring record, you know, he'd be pretty happy with that. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The thing about him is that he's maybe struggled a little bit from that perception of him over the course of his career because looking at the data, he made 29 appearances last season, Ben, and that's probably more than most people would have thought. If I have said to you how many times did you see Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain last season in a Liverpool shirt, you probably wouldn't have said 29. And that's the kind of consistency that you expect out of a midfielder getting to the peak in prime of their career. So if you look at... A, a team who are maybe fighting to get into Europe, uh, an Aston Villa or West Ham, these kind of people are looking to add him to a group. I do think it works. One other thing I wonder, to kind of get around that perception, could we see maybe scope for a kind of a Danny Ings-style loan with an option slash obligation to buy? Because it was in a very similar situation where he'd been out injured, he hadn't really been, had the chance to prove what he could do, went to Southampton on loan, showed exactly what he could do. And now look at him. He's a thriving top elite Premier League striker again. Yeah, and I would say he made 29 appearances, but he was probably available for a lot more. It's just it's unfortunate that Liverpool squad is so big and there's so many talented players in there anyway. So 
in terms of the injury record, I think this season yeah, that hasn't really been an issue anyway. Uh, the the loan part is interesting. I I uh, the other comparison I had is um, Jesse Lingard when he went to West Ham. Obviously, that's a bad example because in the end, United didn't sell him for some strange reason and are now releasing him on a free contract. But uh, that that's tends to be the case with United. Bad business and United go hand in hand. So uh, uh, I think that could be an example. And I think he is one of those players who Liverpool may struggle to sell a little bit more than, for example, the likes of Neko Williams and Nat Phillips uh, or even Takumi Minamino just because his numbers aren't particularly great in terms of his output this season. Although what I would say is during AFCON, he really did step up in that right-wing role and he scored a couple of goals in the Premier League. So, may, But it's just such a small sample that, you know, I think uh, like David mentioned, when Phillips uh, last summer was sort of not touted around as much or not, there wasn't that much interest in him. That was because Phillips also had a small sample to go off of and maybe clubs will look at that as a risk or as a gamble. Uh, so in terms of alone, I think that that could work in Liverpool's favour, but it's just uh, finding the right loan as well. That that will be key. Just, and, uh, yeah, go sorry. On, go on. So, no, I was, I was just going to come in. Sorry, just to say about Alex oxlade Chamberlain as well. Is what's interesting is you're absolutely right to mention sort of his, his impact during Afcon and, and and earlier in the season. That's where sort of the majority of appearances were, and it. He came in at a point where Liverpool were having a bit of an injury crisis in midfield at the start of the season, and you just it makes you think, doesn't it, that you know if they are willing to let him go, is that that slack has to be picked up somewhere? If if those injuries add up a little bit, and Liverpool did actually quite well with injuries last season, and yet Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain at the start of the season was fairly important, so it makes you think that you know they should have a plan for that. I know the talk is, as as Ben mentioned rightly earlier, that the uh, thinking about adding to the midfield in, in next summer. But, you know, it, it, it's a, a, maybe a small concern. You know, you wouldn't think of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain as someone they couldn't afford to lose. And yet, you know, there's evidence there that someone's got to step in. Maybe that's, you know, Harvey Elliott next season. Hopefully he can avoid, you know, getting a, a serious injury like last time. And and that that's where his minutes come in and things like that. But it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one, really, because Liverpool will know that they have to make that up somewhere, even though they're willing to, to let Oxlade-Chamberlain go. No, it's a really good point as well, because... When you look at the way Liverpool's season went and the fact that they were still on so many fronts, they were able to absorb the times when they wobbled a little bit and they leaned on the squad. You think about the very beginning when Harvey Elliott was starting games because Thiago and Henderson were still coming back from international and everybody had their moment, everybody had their part. And if we are going to be fighting on all fronts again, David, as I expect the club we expect to be, in a condensed season, as we keep talking about with this World Cup, these fringe players are going to, we have to think about their value to us as a club as much as their monetary value. And I think it kind of levels out in situations like this more than at other times. Yeah, you've got, you've just got to be very careful that you don't end up weakening yourself to the point that, you know, that, that like you say, that the domestic cup runs were basically built on those fringe players, you know, to, to you get to a certain point and then, then the first team has come in and start to take the glory, I suppose. But you know, Liverpool, it's going to be tough for them to go as deep in, in the domestic cups again unless they can find ways of replacing those minutes. So, you know, I mentioned Harvey Elliott there maybe coming in and taking quite a bit off Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. You know, you've got Fabio Carvalho. Does he take a bit of Divock Origi's time? And, but then 
it quickly starts to add up then. So, okay, Carvalho takes Origi's minutes, maybe he comes on and scores against Everton both times in the season. And then you've got, you know, you've got Minamino then, you know, a decent, really decent chunk of minutes, top goal scorer in the FA Cup and the League Cup for Liverpool last season. He's very quickly start to add up and you've got to find those minutes from elsewhere, you know, whether that's from existing players. So could Curtis Jones play a little bit more? I've obviously mentioned Harvey Elliott, but, you know, signings are going to have to play a part in that. And, you know, signing someone for that, specific role is, is is quite difficult really to say okay you're going to come in and take up Takumi Minamino's minutes that doesn't look particularly appealing to a lot of players so it's it's a difficult one and and you know I still think you know I, I'm very much the mindset that the Liverpool could probably do with doing midfield the business this summer and 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 you know slightly relegating someone like Milner into a role a slightly lesser role and you know it, it, it's a tough one and I, and I don't think they probably will do that but it you know those minutes do add up, like I say, and to to expect a challenge on all fourth fronts next season, it's going to be difficult unless a certain amount of business gets done. Now, I'm kind of leaning towards that as well. I think that, again, the, the idea of being able to do a transition when both parties are still there, it always makes me feel more comfortable because if someone doesn't hit the ground running, you've at least got the other cards to go in. And that brings me nicely on to Takam Minamino, Ben, because his Liverpool career didn't start in uh, lightning pace, as we've seen with some of the others. He's had to take a while. Obviously, circumstances around his arrival, literally COVID beginning almost immediately, probably didn't help him. But last season, we really did start to see the best of him. And as Dave mentioned, he was the Cup King, top scorer in both of these competitions. And for that reason, it kind of makes him hard to assess because he seems to have mastered the art of not playing often, but still being sharp, which is a really hard thing to do in football. But will that now be him force him to want to look for more minutes? Will he be seeking more than he's available, or will he be happy to do that again and say, "Go and win us two more cups"? I mean, yeah, it's, it's a really difficult decision, I think, for Liverpool because um, there's always the risk of you know this just being a purple patch and then him sort of dropping off next season. Right now, this summer, this is probably the time Liverpool could get the most money for him uh, you know he scored I think he made over 10 goal contributions last season in a limited amount of minutes and uh, I know Jesse Marsh is a big fan of him and uh, he's at Leeds United Leeds United wanted him even before Marsh came to the club so uh, that's a possible destination and obviously Leeds are expecting to get quite a bit of money for Rafinha as well which they could then invest into Minamino and Liverpool will know they could get a decent chunk for him and a big profit on the seven and a half million that they brought him in for. And I think for that reason, Liverpool will try to sell him on this summer, even though Origi's already gone. I, I, I can't really see it any other way. But then, as you said, it, it does leave Liverpool a bit short and, and it is asking Cavallo a, a lot of when Cavallo really, at, for Fulham, has mostly played as an attacking midfielder in in a in a midfield three as an advanced playmaker he hasn't really done the false number 9 role and he'll be thrust into that position straight away and and that's going to be an interesting transition i mean you know there is the possibility that if manny leaves liverpool will bring in another attacker another number 9 but then again that number 9 is going to be replacing manny's I mean, it's not Origi's and minamino so it, it is a it is a tough one for liverpool and like 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 David said, like but then who do you bring in? It is a difficult sort of 
choice as well because mm. there's not that many players out there who would be willing to play fifth or sixth fiddle even to to Liverpool's attacking quintet almost. And um, it's it's always a difficult conundrum I think that Liverpool will face. And that is the burden of all top clubs, being able to be good enough to have elite squads, but also have room for someone to try and come in and break through. And I mean, Taki, he'd found his niche in a way that very few players were able to do. And I kind of feel for him because in finding that niche, David, he's kind of put himself in the shop window. And Ben mentions the seven and a half million pounds it costs to, to bring him in. That can't ever be that far from the minds of particularly of FSG and the idea that they could easily triple their money on that this summer if we get the right bid. And the other thing that comes into it, as Ben mentioned, some of the players Liverpool been rumoured playing, like Rafinha, are clubs who are also interested in Taki. I throw Napoli into it because I'm still banging that Victor Osimhen drum. <laughs> um, and Napoli have, have also been interested in Taki. And that might end up being his downfall, isn't it? Is that he becomes too valuable an asset for other people rather than thinking about his pecking order and how it's um, his usefulness to, to the club. Because obviously we're going to be thinking about winning everything, but the big two are still the big two, aren't they? And that's probably where most of the focus is going to lie. Yeah, I, th- I think I think with Taki, it's a situation where I, I I don't think Liverpool will hold on to him if if a decent bid comes in, ju- just to say, okay, well, you can be our cup man, and we, you know, and he he is he was last season he was the best seventh choice attacker that that possibly in world football I would argue in terms of his, his goal return was ridiculous for the amount of minutes he got, um, and just consistently did that all season. But I think I don't think Jurgen Klopp's the type of manager if a decent offer comes in the player wants to go and play more and and I think that is definitely the case at this point he's had a, a couple of seasons now of sort of not featuring particularly prominently he's got some trophies he's got some winner, winners medals I think it's a perfect time and, and as Ben said as well it can, these can be little purple patches at times like mm-hmm. he says the, the value could very quickly go down if if Minamino doesn't start next season particularly well and in, in, in those League Cup games maybe the, the goals dry up a little bit so I think it's just a perfect time for, for all parties really to move them on and and as you say maybe you know maybe works as a little bit of bait to to bring other clubs to the table and and that would be very helpful for Liverpool but it but I think yeah at the moment I think the agreement is there between Liverpool and, and Taki Minamino that if something decent comes in and, and a lot of these a lot of bids will be considered decent given what they paid for him and then yeah it'd be time to move on. Yeah, it might be that this ends up being a, a brief but bright uh, Liverpool career for Taki Minamino. And we'll, I'm sure we'll always encourage him to come back whenever he wants to, to celebrate those trophies that he won with the club. Very similar to Jen Shakiri's kind of career arc, as in he came in for cheap. He never really made himself a first choice, but he was an integral part in some of the big trophies. And maybe if you're not a football uh, regular in the first team, Maybe that's all your Liverpool career ever really is going to be. If you look at all, all four of the guys that we've spoken about, you could kind of say that about all of them. But it's an interesting conundrum. The hindsight will probably make us idiots or geniuses, as it always does. But by the time we get to the end of the summer, and I believe some of these deals will go deep in the summer, we'll be able to see exactly where the squad lies and how much money is in the coffers for all of these. David, Ben, thank you very much for taking us through this little chat. And I hope you all enjoyed it over there. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.